0: Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live. What's going on, people? All right. I want to welcome all of you to another special Q on One podcast edition of the Talk to Q Radio Show. My name is Quincy, and this is my show. And without further ado, I will go ahead and get to my guest. All right, tonight I am joined by two gentlemen who have taken the discussions about a mysterious man from the 1800s and have built that into a convention that some of you can attend in April, here to discuss one of the most popular serial killers in the world, Jack the Ripper, and a convention that was created to discuss the unsolved mystery surrounding him and more, Please welcome from Liverpool, England, Christopher George, and from the Empire State of New York, Robert Anderson. Please welcome them both to the Talk to Q Radio show. How's it going, fellas?
1: Going well. I'm glad to be here, Quincy.
0: All right. I'm glad you can take the time to join the podcast. And let's get started by giving people a, um, a history lesson on Jack the Ripper. Uh, Chris, who is Jack the Ripper, and why is he so important?
1: Well, he was, uh, a lot of people think that he was the first serial killer. Um, there may have been actually other serial killers, but he became very famous uh, because uh, London in 1888 uh, was virtually the capital city of the world. The British Empire was the greatest empire the world had ever seen, and there were new newspapers that a new reading public could read. Uh, uh, find out about the case, and um the the world because of the um telegraph um uh, the word spread very quickly and um there is this thing about the case that uh a lot of people think that the killer wrote letters and uh there were starting in eighteen eighty eight literally thousands of ripple letters that were read written i think really hoaxes, but uh, nevertheless, but um, he's an unknown killer, we don't know who he was, so uh, there are constantly new theories arising, Uh, but the man did kill uh, about five women, uh, certainly five uh, known by the same hand, and in a savage manner, uh, he would rip up their stomachs and uh, pull out Mm. organs and so on, so it was a very nasty case.
0: Oh, goodness. And so how did you find yourself getting interested in the mystery surrounding Jack the Ripper?
1: Well, I I got interested in it because I I originally come from Liverpool, and a Jack the Ripper suspect named James Maybrick lived down the road from me. Uh, In fact, he was um, uh, one of the figures, central figures, in a murder case of 1889 uh, mm-hmm. and was allegedly poisoned by arsenic by his Alabama-born wife. Uh, and um, But the, it's a complex case because he was also an arsenic addict. Arsenic can be used as an aphrodisiac, and uh, that was apparently what he was doing. So
2: uh, whether he actually
1: poisoned himself, you know, rather than um, his wife poisoned him, we're not sure. Right. But in any case, in um, uh, the early 1990s, a diary came to light, which was uh, allegedly written by James Maybrick and is even signed, Yours Truly, Jack the Ripper, in which he confesses to doing the murders.
0: Wow. Okay, but I'm guessing not everyone buys into that theory that he's the one that did it or... Well, I didn't
1: because because I knew mm-hmm. of the original Maybrick case, and it just uh, sounded too incredible that um, two such famous Victorian murder cases could be so linked. Okay.
0: All right, Robert, what about you? How did you get started with the um, mystery surrounding Jack the Ripper?
2: Uh, my my dad had uh, one of Don Rumblow's books uh on Jack the Ripper around the house and uh, by virtue of the fact that the head of the CID at the time was a gentleman by the name of Sir Robert Anderson I uh, was uh, I was I was intrigued by this and uh, and I've, I've always been interested you know in things of a morbid nature and it uh, certainly fit the bill and then uh, I got particularly interested when the diary had sur surfaced in the early 90s so uh, I w- the only thing that I would ex- uh, expand upon uh, Chris's remarks was that uh, arsenic was also a treatment for syphilis So at the time. And, it- and it's perfectly possible that what James Maybrick died from was, in fact, advanced syphilis, and he treated mm-hmm. with arsenic. And so there's actually a possibly uh, rather innocent explanation to it all.
0: Uh, either way, it like he had a horrible death.
2: Uh, yes And and he appears to have been a nasty piece of work By any, you know Standards Uh, Irrespective of what, you know know, Him being the Ripper, but That's neither here nor there So
0: Okay, okay Now, it seems to me that The press, you know, the media coverage Back in the late 1800s Played a role in Making Jack the Ripper who he is today Um Uh you know, maybe through sensationalism or something, but do you think the same still occurs today? Does the press make killers into larger-than-life figures?
1: Well, I mean, you know, you can think of um, the Son of Sam case in New York and say the Yorkshire Ripper case in the late uh, 1970s and early 1980s that um, the press do certainly whip things up and um, uh, perhaps and sensationalized so that um, uh, the public becomes more fearful than if there wasn't such coverage.
2: certainly gave him an iconic brand name. And in the case that I'm studying at the moment, there's several references by public figures to the Jack the Ripper case, Uh, one being the uh, district attorney out in Suffolk saying he did not want people to think that Jack the Ripper was loose in Suffolk, and another one in a prominent attorney was involved in the case saying that we have Jack the Ripper here in America. And to be quite blunt, the murders have nothing to, you know, they're not Ripper-esque, but like I say, he's uh, he's become iconic. And uh, so, yes, uh, serial killers get, you know, Tagged with his with his name and seems to increase interest in the case. And they also come up with clever brand names like BTK, bind, torture, kill. Or if the killer himself gives himself the name, they publicize it. Okay. So yes, so, I, think, uh, I think yeah, the press does contribute.
0: All right, so you think they're too glamorized today? I mean, when you think about there are a lot of people over the years, especially in my lifetime, who. Have done some pretty heinous things And I remember their names more so than the victims um, Oh,
2: I know, I know, right mm-hmm. yeah, Yes uh, Oh, listen, there's uh, there's Women who want to marry Serial killers that are behind bars Yes There's <laughs> it's, it's, it, actually no shortage of them You know, Ted Bundy uh, used to have women go to his trial that were wearing long, uh, with uh, long uh, brown tresses parted in the middle, because they had heard that's what he liked in his victims.
0: Oh wow! So serial killers are having more luck with women than I am. That's crazy. <laughs>
2: well, well, yeah. Well, he wound up he wound up in the chair, so it's not. It wasn't all glamour. It wasn't all glamour.
0: <laughs> okay, so. Uh, Do you think that, you know, thinking back on how things were in the 1800s with the media coverage and how it has progressed to today, do you think that's where we get fascination with shows like First 48 and uh, some of the true crime shows that we see on television?
1: Well, you you know, there's there's no doubt about that the, the mystery is part of the fascination of it. Uh-huh. Uh, as we we're saying, we don't know who Jack the Ripper was. That's the, the thing, and how did he get away with it time and time again? So right. I think that that's kind of what enthralls people, as well as the violence of it and the. Um, so there uh, there there is a kind of salacious side to it, the the violence and so on.
2: Well, but, Jack but Jack is that actual real life uh, boogeyman, right? He's the thing that yeah. goes bump in the dark.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. and, you know, and we, we think that the name actually may have been coined by a, a newspaper man rather mm-hmm. than um, the killer himself. In fact, um, you know, there's a good possibility that the the Ripper was not what a lot of people think, that he was an upper-class dandy or anything in a top hat and a cape, but more likely a working man, and he may well have been illiterate. He may have been unable to write those letters, you know. Hmm. So, um, uh we, we I would just definitely I
2: concur with uh, Chris. It's, uh, the odds would favor it that he's actually really a local lunatic, you know, uh, a fellow slum, slum dweller. And there's a parallel today in the case that I'm working on where, you know, there's uh, uh, mothers of the victims are accusing the police of covering up for, you know, some wealthy person out on, in Suffolk who's, uh, you know, and, and that the folks in the town where the bodies were found didn't want uh, the investigation to succeed because they didn't want anything damaging real estate values there. Oh, so you, you, find, you can find, you know, the conspiracy that, like, in fact, the, you know, the killer is really someone of the upper class, a tough, and he's being protected. Mm. Uh, you know, it echoes straight from 1888
1: to 2016. Yeah, and, and, you know, and, of course, there are a lot of theories that it's all a conspiracy that the government or the police knew who the murderer was and it was covered up, that it was, uh, you know, as Hollywood would have it, that Freemasons did it to cover up the fact that um, uh, Prince Albert Victor had this um, affair with an East End woman and they had a child together. Uh, But um, it's come out that even though that um, uh, theory was popularized by Stephen Knight in the 1970s in a popular book um, it was a lot of hokum
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and really uh, it, it's fantasy uh, even though um, a recent writer Bruce Robinson uh, tried to pillory uh, James Maybrick's brother Michael Maybrick a songwriter who wrote under the name of Stephen Adams, and he, he also involved the Freemasons he said that uh, Maybrick was a Freemason, and it was all covered up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, uh,
2: Michael Maybrick, by the way, uh, you might be interested to know, is uh, re- literally the uh, uh, McCarthy of his era. I mean, the man was like, you know, at the top of his game with respect to being a songwriter and performer. Mm-hmm. So it's an awfully odd family to you know, <laughs> have somehow spawned Jack the Ripper, but, you know.
0: Or, or two Jack the Rippers. Yes,
2: yes, it's two. Uh, two for the price of one right
0: okay I mean and it's, it's funny you mentioned um, just a few minutes ago about the top hat and the cape because that's how
2: yeah
0: I remember him as a child when I was growing up I'm, I'm 44 years old and um, when I was growing up um, I had heard about Jack the Ripper you know yep. I live in, in Jackson Mississippi and um I don't know how many kids know about him now because, you know, there's so many other distractions now. But as far as in England or in in Liverpool, if you mention Jack the Ripper, is that a household name there still?
1: I would say so. I mean, uh, people grew up uh, with that tradition. And uh, as you say, it is the top hat and the the cape and the cane and maybe carrying a black bag. You know, uh, although, you know, those of us who study the case uh, quickly find that that wasn't the case, most probably. Uh, but nonetheless, there is that stereotype.
0: Yeah. And um, I remember watching a TV show back in the 80s called Night Stalker. Oh,
2: and,
0: yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the characters in Night Stalker was Jack the Ripper. And, um,. Mm. You know, it's like, so there was still a fascination here in the United States, you know, a hundred years later. He even
2: makes a cameo in Star Trek, right? City on the Edge of uh, Forever.
0: Oh, wow, I wasn't aware of that.
2: Okay. Or is it The Edge of Tomorrow? I don't remember. It was a a Harlan Ellison story adopted for Star Trek.
1: Well, there was a film, uh, I guess, in the 1980s called Time After Time in which H.G. Wells goes back uh, and and, um, finds the Ripper. Uh, And um, it was quite popular at the time, and we hear that it's being developed as a TV series. So uh, Jack the Ripper is about to come to TV. And, of course, you know, there's the British uh, series Ripper Street. So um, Jack has never really gone away.
0: It's pretty interesting. Okay, so let's fast forward a bit to um, our time, I guess, and the Long Island serial killers, um which I'm, I'm guessing is a very well-known case up in New York for you, Robert. Um, right. This is something you're familiar with. Can you give the people a backdrop on this story? Uh,
2: sure. Uh, well, it'd it be it's. It's much easier to say what little we know about the uh, perpetrator than uh, what we do know. Uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 it it's it's somewhat poignant for me because uh, when I was a young boy, the beach that my parents used to take me to is the beach that's next one one over from uh, Gilgo Beach, which is where uh, four victims were found. Yeah, and so i um, you know, I, I, you know, in a way, I almost feel like my childhood has been violated because, you know, I, you know, there's the associations with my parents who are long gone, and, you know, pleasant, you know, pleasant days at the beach, and in fact, you know, they're they're literally only about three quarters of a mile from where I was playing in the water, uh, so yes, there's a, we don't know how many victims the man has claimed. Uh, I'm going to say at a bare minimum it's 10. It might be as high as 30. We also don't know how long he's been active. It might date from the 1990s. Uh, mm-hmm. To uh, He's almost certainly not on Long Island now because of all the heat uh, that has come down with the discovery of the four victims. But uh, essentially there, there are... There are not parallels with the Ripper murders in the sense that you know he did not you know cut their throats or things like that. But he worked. He, he also killed sex workers the way you know Jack the Ripper did because right. sex workers put themselves in harm's way by the nature of their of their work. Yes. And instead of hunting them on the street, Long Island serial killer appears to have hunted women uh, over the internet on Craigslist. And uh Craigslist in meeting, you know, uh John's on the internet is perhaps one of the most dangerous things you can do because as unsavory as the pimp system might be, at least the pimp gets a look at who you're going with before you, you go. Yeah. And so uh it's very lucrative but it's also very dangerous. And it appears that Long Island Serial Killer uh, selected women through the Internet, and the four victims that were found at Gilgo Beach were all about 4'11 in height and about 100 pounds. And they're actually all reasonably, I'd actually describe them as pretty. So he certainly had a type in mind.
1: Mm -hmm. So he's looking for smaller women, which might imply that, He's a smaller man, too.
2: Right, exactly. Or, or, or even worse things with respect to you know them being the substitutes for children.
3: Yeah.
2: Right. Or yeah. I mean, there's there's a several twisted variants that come with it. But he had a specific uh, body type in mind, and he uh, lured the, you know he lured them with repeated phone calls. They all basically were willing to drop their normal defense mechanisms and go with him in his car, uh, you know, without sometimes without their purses, without their cell phones. And, you know, and basically they wound up, uh, you know, uh, not actually, not even buried, literally dumped by the side of the road into uh, a brush, which uh, is really kind of, uh, it raises issues of whether or not Lisk uh, we, we, that's what we call them, It stands for it's the acronym for Long Island Serial Killer.
0: Yeah, uh,
2: you have to think whether or not Lisk drove past them on the way to work each morning, knowing that just out of view, you know, there were four bodies. Because the police wow. looked for looked, searched the area for a long, long time for an unrelated murder victim, mm-hmm. and literally just one day, a cop spotted one of the victims just by driving very, very slowly and really staring intently at the, at the brush. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: So they they were sort of, you know, they could have been seen if you really wanted, you know, not if you wanted to, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's easy to overlook it. Yeah. So it's, it's not a notion. Like he didn't like bury them out by the beach. He just literally dumped them like they were garbage, which is also heinous.
0: Hmm. Well, um, I remember hearing about, um, well, the the name I'm familiar with is the Craigslist Ripper, which again kind of takes from the moniker of Jack yes. the Ripper, you know, over a hundred years later. Yes. Um, and so, and the fact that the bodies though were just dumped just showed that he, either he has no disregard for the women, you know, his victims, or he just flat out just, you know, wanted the attention, I guess.
2: Well, uh, he, he, well, right, hold them, held them in great contempt. They were basically disposable, and also I think would able enable him to get a thrill, knowing that he know. Well, a lot of times pe- people speak of serial killers as having control issues, and if you think yeah. about it, if I kill you and I place you where like I can see you and others can't, and you're wrapped in burlap, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm basically exercising a degree of control over you, even in death. Mm. Okay.
0: All right. So that's a pretty interesting story there. And um, you said the person still hasn't been found to this day. No,
2: there's there there there. Is it just uh, one? The internet. The internet has certainly uh, convicted a few people. Uh, one One of whom i 'll be talking about because i don 't think that he was long uh, is long Island serial killer, but mm-hmm. certainly you know there 's a parallel between ripper online ripperology in that if you go on the ripper boards you 'll find people talking about a whole variety of suspects, and a great deal of people have strong convictions about who they believe the suspect is and it's it 's inherently irrational to have a strong opinion about a suspect it 's perfectly mm-hmm. fine have an educated feel that someone might be the perpetrator, but to actually believe you've solved the 1888 murders is is, is, is insane.
1: Right. I mean, there's, there's any number of uh, people who are adamant that their guy did it, you know, and um, uh, they can range, you know, very widely from the Prince to even Vincent Van Gogh and Robert Louis Stevenson and, uh, you know... Robert Carol.
2: Lewis Carroll. There's a, be- yeah. a belief that uh, there's uh, an- uh, anagrams in Lewis Carroll's work that, right. uh, that that or confess to him being the Ripper.
1: There's well over a hundred suspects by this point. Very gracious.
2: Right. Some are better than others, but none, <laughs> none, you know, none have grabbed the brass ring. Uh, but what I, but but there happen to be also boards like the Ripper boards that are devoted to discussion of the Long Island serial killer and people have very strong opinions about suspects. And, see, it's one thing for us to discuss whether or not James Maybrick was the Ripper. Uh, You know, yes, of course, we're defaming him in a sense, but he's dead, and his nearby, you know, the immediate family's dead, and their children are dead, and we're not really harming anybody. But when you get onto online and you start naming specific suspects,
1: did, so who are alive? Right. Who are
2: alive? And in fact, right. hmm. and in fact, one man, a nursery owner, uh, killed himself, uh, hmm. and uh, around, around uh, at the, around the same time wow. that the bodies were discovered. And there's you know hundreds of pages of text on the net about how this gentleman must have been a Long Island serial killer. Now he's married with children. You know that that actually does real harm.
0: Yes, it does. So, wow, everyone has their own theories, I guess. Okay.
2: Yes. Well, um, yeah. Uh, well, I I prefer, in general, after this case, as I'm done with this talk, I think I'm going to crawl back to 1888, where it's it's, <laughs> it's, right. it's eminently safer. <laughs> one
1: one of the Ripper suspects actually lived in Baltimore, uh, Dr. Francis Tumbletee. Who was a um, quack medicine merchant who um, uh, gave women pills to cause ab- abortions and had a
2: and cure
1: and so on? And he lived in uh, Baltimore in 1900 and then died um, in St. Louis in 1903. And he was actually arrested at the time of uh, the Ripper murders, um, but not for uh, the Themselves initially, he was a uh, homosexual, and uh, of course, at that time, homosexuality was illegal, and he was um, uh, involved in uh, with, I believe, as many as six men, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, was um, uh, slapped in jail. And but then uh, he was bailed, and then fled the right. country. Uh, but the strange thing is that he was also arrested after Abraham Lincoln's assassination. He was born in the um, uh, 1930s, I'm sorry, 1830s in uh, Dublin, we believe, came to uh, Rochester, New York, and then started his business as a uh, quack medicine doctor, and he was Mm -hmm. accused of um, trying to um, uh, spread yellow fever. Uh, But uh, there's also a uh, a thought that he... he, There was another uh, man of the name of Blackburn, and apparently uh, Dr. Tumblety used the um, uh, alias Blackburn, and so it may have been partly a case of um, a mistaken identity, but nevertheless he was slapped into the old Capitol prison in 1865, and so that was also a notorious part of his career.
0: Wow. Hey, that's a lot of history. It looks like I've missed that on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're,
2: you're probably better off for it.
0: <laughs> yeah so.
1: as part of Repacom we're going to have a tour of the city and we'll be um visiting the lodging house where uh, Tumblety lived and he also gave money to um James Cardinal Gibbons of um Baltimore and we'll see Dr Gibbons's uh, I mean sorry Cardinal Gibbons's uh statue which is right across the street from where uh Edgar Allan Poe first had his literary fame. Uh Uh, We'll be going to Poe's grave and the hospital where he died and various things and and seeing something called Nutshell Studies, which is um, these little dioramas that a lady created in the 1930s and 40s, little dioramas of murder scenes. And these are now kept in the Maryland coroner's office, uh, not too far from Edgar's grave. So uh, people are going to have a lot of fun, I think, during our convention.
2: Yes, we basically spend a lot of time denying that we're gore hounds, <laughs> but we are. <laughs>
0: so, I mean, how did RipperCon come to be? Uh, you know, when when did all this get started and... Um when is Okay, the well
1: I I had um been one of the organizers of the 2000 uh, convention in Park Ridge New, New Jersey. Uh and uh we held several uh conventions at the beginning of the 2000s um uh in New Jersey and then two in Baltimore. Uh but then they've kind of lapsed during the past few years and um uh I met a uh, Baltimore writer Janice Wilson who is very interested in um Sherlock Holmes and Jack the Ripper and um, mm-hmm. uh she has given um uh talks on uh serial murder and so on uh she's a member of several societies and um so when we met uh we talked about reviving the uh the Baltimore uh uh, convention Series So that's exactly what we've done And So this is the first um, uh, Convention on Jack the Ripper for a number of years So we we would like to uh, Hold it now every two years
0: Okay, alright And this is going to be in Baltimore this year And you said it's been a while Since it's been in the states uh, So right. this is a great opportunity For people here to check it out, what what can they expect when they attend this event? I know you mentioned the tours. Um, I'm pretty sure yeah, there'll be uh, it's, speaking engagements. It's April, well. mm-hmm. April the eighth to the tenth.
1: April the eighth to the tenth, and um, uh, we start at um, uh, one o'clock on um, uh, April the eighth at the Maryland Historical Society in Baltimore. Hold talks um, for the rest of the afternoon until uh, six o'clock. Uh, then hold talks from nine to five at the Historical Society the next day uh, they're also going to be um, get-togethers at the uh, Mount Vernon Hotel which is uh, nearby and this is uh, in the historic area of Baltimore near the, um, um, the Washington Monument uh, so it's a very historic area and very interesting
2: in itself
0: ok uh Robert, what's going to be your role at RipperCon?
2: Uh, I'm going to be uh, one of the MCs, and I'm also going to be talking on the subject of the Long Island Serial Killer.
0: Okay, awesome. April 8th through the 10th, and where can they get tickets?
1: Uh, we have a website. It's RipperCon.com. dot uh-huh. com.
0: Okay. And tickets are available there. And, um, all right, I want to, lastly, before I let you guys go, I want to welcome someone who will be there in April uh, to join in the RipperCon activities. Let me welcome Brian Young to the T2Q podcast. Brian, how's it going?
3: Quick, Q. Good to talk to you again. It's uh, it's fun to be on a show that's not about boxing for once.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I hear you, but still love the boxing. But uh, Brian, do you have a few words about the event and what it does for people like you who look to attend? I mean, what's your interest in all of this?
2: Well,
3: at the risk of doing the math, I was born in 1974, so I was an early teen at the 100th anniversary of the Jack the Ripper murders. At that time, countless books and documentaries and TV shows and movies were coming out that you know, to to someone in their early teens, it's you know, good time to get something stuck in your head for life. Uh-huh. And uh, I also grew up in a house with my mother, who was a big true crime fan, so there was always true crime books and movies on. And I got really interested in cases like uh, the Zodiac Killer and okay. the then Jack the Ripper, primarily because they were unsolved. It was the mystery surrounding it. You know, growing up reading Sherlock Holmes and and Graylin Poe, and just being interested in the darker side of things to some degree. But it's just been the one, you know, being a history nerd, too. Uh, it's a case that's always, you know, always appealed to me, and it's always fascinated me. And, you know, every couple of years growing up, I would change my opinion. I knew who it was, and then two years later, I, I knew it was someone else. And, um, you know, then I knew it was someone else. And then they were talking about Dr. Tumblety earlier and if you know geography of New York I'm from Buffalo and Rochester's less than an hour away yeah in fact I grew up in a little little city in the suburbs of Buffalo called Tonawanda, New York which you know ten points to anybody who can spell it but they <coughs> actually Tumble T had spent time in Tonawanda. then to find out that hey this guy who could be the Ripper was in the little city I grew up in you know, just hooked me in even more.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I've always wanted to attend conferences and conventions. Unfortunately, I don't always have the money to fly to London, or um, I don't remember where last year's was. Where was last year's convention?
0: Uh,
1: I attended one in Salisbury. Um, Salisbury. But, but then they had one in York. That, uh, that was last year's.
3: And unfortunately, I couldn't attend those, just for financial reasons, so luckily, you know, Christopher came along and set one up in Baltimore, which is you know, an easy an easy trip for me, a little plane ride, and, you know mm-hmm. as soon as he announced it, I jumped right on it and bought tickets and have been telling everybody about it, and of course getting strange looks from people when I say, I'm going to a Jack the Ripper convention <laughs> um, but what people don't understand, and I want people listening to realize it's not just a Jack the Ripper convention um, there's a lot more history involved, and not only Victorian history and the Ripper itself, but uh, they're going to be discussing Sherlock Holmes. They're going to be discussing uh, Mary Percy, who was another uh, a, a female killer from the time. Um, they're going to be and, discussing. Oh, go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to say. I mean, Sherlock Holmes actually thought that the Ripper could have been a woman, or a man dressed as a woman. You know, hmm. so. you uh, the Ripper? Yeah I mean you know if if uh, if uh, if a fellow prostitute did the murders or a man dressed as a prostitute um that could have been one way that they got away
3: Yeah so I mean these are the things that you're going to learn here you're going to hear this it's it's amazing um not only Piercy and and Edgar Allan Poe and Sherlock Holmes and um uh, there's going to be a lecture on Alfred Hitchcock's The Lodger, which you know a lot of film people, a lot of film historians believe might have been the first popular film about a serial killer, which was one of Hitchcock's early silent films. It would, you know, mm-hmm. we'll bring up the discussion of, like you said earlier, how the media or the entertainment industry has glorified and made serial killers more popular. And you know, to this day, there's documentaries made about Jack the Ripper. There's movies made. I mean, just a few years ago, there was a really big-budget Hollywood film about Jack the Ripper starring Johnny Depp called From Hell. That
0: yeah wasn't yeah.
3: very accurate, but was um, and it was huge. It, so there's really something here for everybody, of all tastes. If you're a history fan, if you're ghoulish and into the serial killers, just, that's fine, too. <laughs> um, plus, Baltimore. I don't know if you've ever been there, Q. I know you're in uh, Mississippi. It's right. Only at the
0: airport. Only to the airport.
3: It is a beautiful city. And, um, you know, we're not this convention isn't too far from the Inner Harbor or, you know, uh, not too far from Camden Yards. And, you know, the um, Baltimore Orioles are in town that weekend against uh, the Tampa Devil Rays. So you can you can even come in and catch a baseball game while you go to the convention. I mean, there's perfect timing.
1: Well, and, and then again, that's one of the things that the um, earlier Baltimore conventions that we had were out at the airport. You mentioned the airport, Qu- Quincy. And, mm-hmm. um, but this is in downtown Baltimore we're, we're holding this, So um, there are plenty of historic things to see downtown, and as well as, as I say, the tour that we're going to take to see uh, connections with both the Ripper suspect, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, John Wilkes Booth, the Civil War, uh, so it's going to be a lot.
0: Okay, well, it sounds like a lot, and I think anyone who attends will definitely have some stories um, to you know to, to share in the future, and um, I'm pretty sure they'll look forward to attending them um, in the future as well. Uh, so I think it's a great opportunity for those who may be interested in um, unsolved mysteries or maybe that, that era of time or whatever the, piques your interest. Um, it seems like a good opportunity to get out there and share some stories with like minds or maybe learn something new. I mean, I've learned quite a bit this evening uh, just from the little time that I spent talking to you guys and uh, it's very interesting, very interesting for sure. And um, I really hope that you all have a nice turnout get more people than you expect, and it's something that you can um, do um, in the future in the States again. Will it, will it, if it comes back to the United States in a couple of years, will it always be in Baltimore, or are you interested in moving it around? Or?
1: Uh, that's the present um, idea, to hold it um, uh, every two years. So it would be 2016, then 2018, 2020. Um, we might have other organizers further down the line who have other ideas and want to hold it elsewhere. And I don't object to that. Perhaps um, uh, Brian uh, might hold one up in Buffalo.
3: Niagara Falls. Right yeah,
1: there. there you go. We'll, uh, and we'll all visit uh, Dr. Tumbledee's grave.
3: I'd love to
2: show you.
0: That right. sounds pretty cool. I know. Brian just remember what him.
2: happens at Ripper conferences stays at Ripper Conferences. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay.
4: And
3: actually, Q, I'd like to say one thing just to your regular listeners out there who uh-huh. Uh-huh. know me as the boxing guy. Uh-huh. In a fight, I would I would pick Danny Garcia over the Ripper in a fight.
0: <laughs> because I picked
3: Danny Garcia for every fight. Every fight.
0: Right. Every fight. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, um, again, you can go to www.rippercon.com to get more information on Jack the Ripper and the RipperCon. Um, and it looks like you'll also get um, some information on the Long Island serial killer and more. So there's going to be plenty to do for those who attend April the 8th through the 10th, Baltimore, Maryland. My thanks to Christopher George and Robert Anderson for joining the show. Thanks for Brian, um, Brian Young, for chiming in as well and and introducing me to the guys. And um, again, I'm just Rippercon.com. You can go to my website at TalkToQ.com. I'll have a link to the website there. Go ahead and get your tickets as soon as possible. And is there a deadline to get the tickets, by the way, fellows?
1: Uh, doesn't we have a deadline of March fifteenth?
0: Uh-huh. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, so very little time. Go ahead and secure your tickets now and go ahead and make the roadie up to Baltimore and check it out. There's a lot of history in the city. I knew about Edgar Allan Poe. I didn't know about some of the other um, figures who were associated with Jack the Ripper, and so that's kind of new to me. So it looks like there's a lot up there to be explored, and I think it's kind of cool. Anytime you can go take a walk through time, and learn something about, you know, the ground we walk on and who used to walk on it before us 120-something years ago. So, Well, thank you right, for love, your time. You're welcome. Do you have any social media information you want to throw out for people who want to follow you on maybe Facebook or Twitter?
1: Uh, Repicon has a Twitter handle. Um, uh, it's at EditorCG. And we also have a Facebook page. Um we're also connected to a lot of other um uh Ripper associated uh sites. I, I happen to be a um an editor of ripperologist magazine and they have a Facebook uh page and ripperologist magazine is free. It's a hundred pages plus every two months and um wow. uh filled with uh information about the Ripper case and other things about Victorian history and so on and you can either get it uh, a Kindle version or uh, as a PDF and you'll see information um, both on our Facebook uh, site and uh, information that we send out uh, via Twitter
0: well you can't beat free Uh, I think I'm going to sign up for that myself yeah and uh, alright well guys I appreciate you taking the time to join the show I would love to have you back on in the future to discuss uh, Jack the Ripper or maybe any other um, interesting cases that may be out there that people um, have talked about over the years.
1: Okay. Very good. Thank you, Quincy. Thank
0: you. All right. And that's going to do it for another podcast edition of the Talk to You Radio Show. You can go to TalkToQ.com to get more information on this show. Also find information on RipperCon um, and the website and where you can go get tickets in case you missed it. And I hope that everyone takes advantage of the opportunity to sign up for the newsletter. Well, excuse me, for the Ripperology magazine. And maybe that will pique your interest for the next one if you're not able to attend this one. So everyone have a great day. Peace out.
4: The novels of Crystal Hickerson. The Magician. The metaphysical action drama about the fight between good and evil which holds the fate of man in the balance. Street Corners. A tragic romantic crime saga of a man who has the hearts of two very different women in his hands. The choice he makes will hurt them both. Wanted. A ghostly story about a woman caught between the planes of life and death. It is left up to the reader to decide which reality was real. The volunteer. The struggle of a man with his career and his life teetering on thin ice. Can love truly conquer all? And if you think this is the end for Crystal, you would be wrong. For as you listen to this, a new dynamic tale is on the way. Go to crystalhickerson.com to purchase all of her novels. Follow her on social media and listen to her on the radio at thecrystalshow.com. Enter the amazing world at crystalhickerson.com.